1: What's the most interesting way, involving pubs, that you can think of to get across Dublin City? You could have a drink in each pub beside a Lewis stop. You could stop in Grogan's, Brogan's, Branigan's and every other pub ending in Gans. Or we've got another one for you. Crossing from one side of Dublin to the other without passing a pub. A seemingly unachievable feat? in a city known around the world for its drinking culture. Well, we're here today to show you how it can be done. Why is another question. Welcome to Publin, a podcast about the culture, history and heritage of pubs at home and abroad. Today we're going to take a slightly different approach and become a roving reporter of sorts, taking you on a journey with a route that can best be described as higgledy-piggledy. Okay, today I'm heading off on a bit of a podcast odyssey across Dublin City, from one side of Dublin to the other. So my purpose today is to follow a route, first teased by James Joyce in Ulysses, in which he said good puzzle it would be to cross dublin without passing a pub i'm going to make my way over to Bagot street and from there i'm going to make my way down wilton terrace up adelaide road take a right towards the national concert take a left, left, left a right down black lane on left, left cross cross street, over Thomas, Thomas over, street, then, then road, take I a like left through by christopher bonds to make my way to oxton town road then onto the top of ockram street and then onto the top of the north circular road Now, I know this route reasonably well, bar a few street names, because I've done it about four times before. But I'm one of, I think, maybe seven people and a dog to have done this in the past. So today, I'm going to record myself as I stroll it, and you're coming with me. So I'm going to tell you about the pubs that used to exist along the way, a little bit of the history of the route, how it was devised, and any other Joyce relevant information that we can find along the way. So you might think to go and not visit pubs is the opposite of what the intention. Engine is for this podcast but not for this episode i think i hope you'll be pleasantly surprised at what we find along the way all right off we go so i'm walking along the canal here making my way up towards Bagot street bridge the route was devised by a man by the name of rory mccann who came across this riddle and thought can i figure this out so we used open And the directory listings for pubs on that to try and plot a route from one side of Dublin to the other without crossing a pub. So he managed to find a route. Now, he was the one that set the parameters for what one side of Dublin to the other means. I guess it means kind of from canal to canal, roughly. That's a a decent metric to judge it by. Alright, I'm going to set off from Bagot Street Bridge here, try and get away from the traffic so you can hear me a bit better. And uh, off we go. At this point, we should maybe clearly define what it is we're trying to achieve and to put this into context for anyone unfamiliar with Dublin City. The route we've chosen is 6.7 kilometres in length and takes approximately an hour and a half to complete, give or take some stoppages to admire the scenery. Now, if you were to walk from the start location to the end using the most direct route, it should only be 4.2 kilometres and take 55 minutes, but this route is anything but simple. Passing a pub will be defined as walking in front of a pub on either side of the street. Close brushes are allowed so long as the pubs are not directly in front of me. Obviously, the chief aim of this route is to not encounter any pub, but we will be encountering some buildings and businesses along the way that once upon a time did house a pub. We're going to encounter five along the way that I know of, and I'll let you know a little bit about these places as we go. On our walk, we're now entering the Ivy Gardens, which is a pivotal element of the route, given that it allows us to totally bypass the pub and bar infested Harcourt Street. Of course, this means that the route is only accessible when the Ivy Gardens is fully open or is not hosting music or comedy events as it does during the summer. We've made a number of innovations to the route over the years, including one that we recently discovered that is very much in keeping with the themes of the walk. One of the connections to James Joyce that we have along this route is the fact that we have to cut through the Museum of Literature of Ireland. So, initially, the route, as devised by Rory, would take you out onto Harcourt Street, and you had to kind of turn a bit of a blind eye to some of the licences there. Most of the bars are up the top end, Everly Garden, Copperface Jacks, D2, those kind of places. But down the end, just as you come out, there is Club Conor That does have a bar in it. As far as I'm aware, it operates on a club licence, though, so we used to or when I have walked this in the past, we turn a blind eye to it. That may, would be my way around it. But also, troublingly, there's a hotel on the corner called The Green, and that, according to my friend Kean, has a pub license rather than a hotel bar license. So that makes things a bit trickier. So we wanted to devise a way where we could be entirely honest about not passing a pub. So to get around that, we have resolved to cut through the Museum of Literature of Ireland, which is quite handy because there's a lot of Joyce-related material in the museum, including a first edition copy of Ulysses up on the top floor that you can go and visit. So we're gonna cut through the gardens at the back, the cafe, up through the reception, and out the front onto Stephen's Green, where we will return. So there's actually, uh, as soon as I walked in, I had to plant this, but there's actually a bust of Joyce in the park, 1882 to 1941, with a caption that says, Crossing Stevens, that is my green. It just shows how many references to uh, and statues of Joyce there are dotted around the city. After we exit Stevens Green at the west end of the corner where it meets Cuff Street, we encounter what is our first former pub site along the route. Here once stood the apparently grand and graceful Winter Garden Palace. The pub stood on the site of 24 Cuff Street for at least 200 years, opening its doors to newspaper fanfare at the time in 1866. A glowing description of the pub comes in the form of a letter to the editor of the Irish Times. I'll read it now amongst the many pubs with which the city abound there is one that from its spectacular attractions is well worthy of notice i allude to the winter garden palace stephens green there contiguous to the public bar a large saloon and smoking room has been fitted up in the most elaborate manner enticing the greatest taste The walls are panelled with canvas drawings, illustrative of the most beautiful scenery in and about the far-famed lakes of Killarney, and for beauty and effect cannot be excelled. And in one corner of the apartment is a splendid model of one of the Gothic windows in Macross Abbey, full size, made of wood, and richly gilt all over. All those who duly appreciate the fine arts and wish to encourage Irish enterprise will be well repaid by a visit to the Winter Garden Palace. The next time you have a really good pint, and I mean a really good pint, and you look around a pub and think this is an exceptional place. I want you to consider, is it good, or is it right an anonymous glowing letter to the Irish Times good? That man must have had one hell of an evening. For further reading about the history of the pub here named, we'd encourage you to look up the article by Sam on the Come Here To Me blog on the topic. Sadly, the pub was bought by a compulsory purchase order in the 60s, left to decay for 10 years, and was finally demolished, in 1975. But we won't dwell on that sadness, and we'll continue on with our stroll. So I've just crossed over from Cusack Corner onto York Street very briefly. If I was to go straight up, I can see the Swan Pub there, Uh, but we're not going to go past that, obviously. So the old route would have taken us a little bit further on up this street but I'm going to take a right on Anger Place instead of one street further up. Now the reason that that used to be on the route was because that was one of the abandoned pubs that is now called the Lucky Duck. It was refurbished, they've done a great job on it. Um, so we can't walk down that street anymore. Well you can, but there's a pub at the end of it. So we have to walk down this little laneway right here, Anger Place, the back of the flats and that will take us out onto Anger Street. We can't forget that we're setting out on this adventure in 2022, and not 1904 when the question was first posed by Joyce. So. Is the task any more difficult or easier today than it was then? Indications are that it would indeed have been harder in the early 20th century. Estimates place the current number of pubs in Ireland at 7,000. In 1904, there were 13,000 pubs on the entire island of Ireland. Even accounting for partition, that means that there were likely a lot more licensed premises in the city to manoeuvre around and avoid. We'd be comfortable enough saying that in Joyce's day, the riddle could not have been solved. That plus, they didn't have open street mapping software. So walk forward another 30 meters, I would be standing directly opposite, and I would have passed a pub. So, continue on down this street, which is Peter Row. But we're coming up towards uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, and if memory serves me correct, there's a reference there or there's commemorations of a lot of Irish writers and I would be shocked if Joyce was not included among them well, everything is in bloom here we'll Check on the bees, see how they're getting on Loving the Lavender and the Wildflowers and the Daisies Bernard Shaw W.E. Yeats Sean O'Casey and wouldn't you know it There he is, Jimmy Joyce Writer of Dubliners, Ulysses, Finnegan's Wake It looks similar to uh, the plaques that you see in Dublin pubs that bear the details uh, James Joyce Pub Award and it basically says, This pub has been certified to be a James Joyce Pobo Award winner, or something to that effect. And as far as I know, these are just plaques that pubs bought from somebody during the Celtic Tiger, but uh, they look good. I very, very nearly just got shot on by a bird. I have all the good luck I need, thank you very much. I'm about to take a left onto Back Lane, where I'll be greeted by the sight of the old mother redcaps. Yeah, Mother Redcaps looks like it's had some of its signage redone to make it look a little less derelict. So this was a market as well as a live music venue slash bar and it bears the date 1760 on it, but, but as far as I was aware, it dates from 1873, which is another date on it, from when it was I believe a shoe factory. So when it was Mother Redcaps, it would have played host to a lot of musicians like Christy Moreary Black and any references to it in the newspaper archives are usually gig listings. So I suppose it was more of a Vicar Street, Whelan's type place rather than a, a conventional pub. But it's no more, so I can walk by it without fear. So i just crossed over High Street onto Thomas Street, passed by the old city walls there, the last freestanding part of it. Across the road from me is Cafe Noto, which at one point was a pub. So continuing on down staying to Augustine Street and around the corner here it's not a former pub but there is a site of interest to us. So there's this blue gate and a huge red brick wall beside it and through the blue gate you can see on in to just looks like an overgrown back garden but peeking its head out over that is the old Powers pot still. So that is the original home of Powers Whiskey I believe the first ever Powers was produced there and the first Ever measure or bottle of it was sold in a pub on Thomas Street uh, at the front of the distillery. On Bridgefoot Street we cross over the wonderful new public park created there and at the end of that stretch we take a right onto Watling Street. Here we encounter the fourth pub along the way and the shell of the building is still there to see. It was most recently called Leonard's and was also at one point known as Timmins. Fans of the RTE show Love Hate will recall that the exterior of the pub was used in a scene in which a car bomb exploded outside. It has, to my knowledge, been acquired by Guinness, in whose shadow the pub has long sat. Walking up the keys, another unexpected and unplanned Joyce connection appears. So I'm walking up the keys, I'm approaching another location of interest regarding James Joyce. So the house I'm about to pass by on the right is the location where the dead is set we uh, crossing over the James Joyce Bridge, so named because of its proximity to the house used in the dead. A house, by the way, that was going to be turned into a youth hostel, and, and may, yet still. So up to the right here, again, used to be a pub, but it's closed a few years now, and if it were to reopen, there's still a way around it. But it was called Button and Coin, and then was the sister bar to Dice Bar for a while, but it's since closed its doors as has Dice Bar. This former pub could be said to have one of the best all-round views of the Guinness Brewery, taking in as it does the various buildings sloping up the hill at James's Gate. There's the 2001 A Space Odyssey style black monolith structure, the gravity bar, the old smokestacks and the large brew houses and storerooms. If the bar was still open, you could sit at the window and see 200 feet away where your brew came from. Anyway, less dawdling, more walking. Crossing over the Lewis Tracks and going into the National Museum of Ireland, also known as Collins Barracks. Over to the left is the building holding the Asgard, the uh, vessel used in the gun running 1914. Uh, the back gates, our back exit, the Collins Barracks will bring us up by Arbour Hill, by the prison, and also by the church. So from here on in, I'm pretty much going down the quieter streets of Stonybatter until I reach my destination. I'm just stopping outside the United Nations Veterans Memorial here for Irish citizens who died in the service of the United Nations. In truth, this is where the route gets a little bit boring. It's quieter, but there's fewer old pubs, it's all very residential. Don't skip forward, keep listening. To the end of this road, and to the right is Cavanagh's pub, and parallel to me to the left is Carnew Street, which is where the Spice Girls filmed their video for Stop Right Now and apparently they used toilets in cabinets on that shoot. So there you are, a little bit of Stony Batter pub history. Now, anyway, out onto Awkram Street we go, and now it's a straight shot for, oh, let's say 500 metres, and then we're done. About 50 metres to go. Imagine if I pulled up a cramp here now and I couldn't finish it. Somebody had to come and just drag me over the finish line like one of those inspirational videos. It'd be heartwarming. Okay, I've done it. That's the North Circular Road. I've reached my destination. So the tradition upon completion of this walk, as defined by me, is that you have to go and find the nearest open pub and have a pint. So I'm going to stroll down to Stony Batter Village and sit there, read a book, have a pint. I know I've done something useful with my day. So we're going into Tommy O'Garris for a pint. Stony Batter Main Street. How's it going? Can I get two pints again? Lovely. thanks very much and there we have it seven people and a dog have walked that route in person and now you've walked it with me in spirit thanks for listening to another Publin podcast if you like the podcast you'd be doing us a great favor by reviewing it or sharing it on to a pal if you'd like to get in touch please email me john via publin ie at gmail.com We'll see you again next week, probably with a story where we actually go inside a pub. For now, sláinte.